This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It is a day that I have been waiting to say for 99 days, and that is that baseball is finally back. After... uh, a couple of weeks of uh, near misses and getting everybody's hopes up only to have things dashed at the last minute. The owners and the players finally, finally got together yesterday, hammered out a deal, and at least for the next five years, we have baseball. And uh, these were probably, well, there's no question, these were the most contentious uh, labor negotiations I think that I have ever heard about in sports. You know, and I don't care what anybody says, and and I got tired of of reading about greedy players. This was not about greedy players. This was about owners trying to break the union. We talked about that before, and uh, they failed. They failed. They saw that the public sentiment was finally swinging the other way, and the owners and the commissioner of baseball were taking a beating, and they finally had to yell uncle, and give in. You know, now the players didn't get everything that they wanted, but they got a lot of it. And uh, I think that uh, on the face of it, it is a great, great deal for the players. Let's, let's you know, we'll, we'll go over it, you know, bit by bit here and, and uh, talk about it. But I think the number one thing here, the, the biggest thing is the jump in the minimum salary for Major League Baseball players. And it's, I had a lot of conversations uh, with my wife about this, you know, uh, because it's hard for people that, uh, that aren't big sports fans to understand and to, to, to be able to fathom the kind of money that these professional athletes make. Look, it's monopoly money, as I have said so many times. And you're never going to be able to make sense of what these guys make versus what you and I make. But as I said to my wife, and I've said on this show many times, it is not apples to apples. You know, it is what the market will bear. And we also have to keep in mind that the average professional athlete has a career that lasts five or six years. And that is their, you know, that if that is their quote-unquote skill, you know, and some of them have degrees they can fall back on and, and get into the, you know, the the business world after they leave, et cetera, and, you know, and hopefully make enough money where they can start their own business if they want to do that. Uh, you know, some of these guys will never have to work a day in their lives after they leave baseball, which is great for them. But, you know, it, but they have to maximize their earning potential in a very short period of time. 
you and I get to work from the time we are 18 years old or 16 years old up until, you know, we decide we're finally going to retire. And so we have a lot longer. And granted, the lifestyle is different. The money isn't the same. But, you know, the money that actors make, the money that musicians make, uh, the money that writers make when they sell, you know, uh, George R.R. R. Martin and James Patterson and guys like that that are selling books um, at phenomenal rates. We, you can't compare that to what you and I do. So it's hard for a lot of people to understand that. But think about the fact that, you know, you have a guy like, let's say, a, a Garrett Whitlock, who was a, a Rule 5 draftee for the Red Sox. But this was a guy who was a minor league player, and maybe, maybe at best, in the minors, he's making forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. Now, he's with the Red Sox last year. He's making $570,000. Guess what? After yesterday, he just got a jump in salary of $130,000. That's a lot of money. I mean, you know, and I don't care how much you're making. That's a lot of money. And what we have to remember is 65% of Major League Baseball players, 65%, make under a million dollars. You know, that's what you have to wrap your head around here, you know, is that not everybody is making the money that Max Scherzer makes or that Mike Trout makes. You know, it's not that it doesn't work that way, you know, and that's what skews. You know, you look at well, the average major league salary, they say is, you know, five million dollars. Well, yeah, that's but because it's skewed badly by those guys that make the upper end of the salary. It's skewed by Max Scherzer and, you know, guys like Justin Verlander and Mike Trout or whoever you want to bring up. The numbers are way out of whack because of guys like that. And it's not that $700,000 is, you know, chump change. I get it. For you and me, that would be, uh, you know, <laughs> it would be incredible. But it's, you can't compare that to what, to what you make. So that, to me, was the most significant thing here. You know, it was about not just that the minimum salaries, but about the other things that this CBA does for the younger players, because even these guys that are making the minimum salary, they're now going to have an additional pool that's going to reward guys that aren't arbitration eligible and that do remarkable things. All of a sudden, they could get a nice uh, bump uh, of a bonus. You know, a guy like uh, uh, Pete Alonzo, you know, who leads the league in home runs and is making the minimum salary, now all of a sudden with this new CBA would be in line to get, you know, he could get a half a million bucks for, you know, being in the rookie of the, you know, rookie of the year conversation or whatever. It's going to be determined by war, which is, you know, again, one of those, st one of these, uh, these stats that it's here to stay. It's a stat that I still think is, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the nerds love it, but regardless, I mean, it's the way that the, that they have decided you can judge the value of a player. Well, these guys are going to get bonuses based on what their war is. I'm all for it. You know, whether you want to use war or whatever you want to use, you could use the eye test if you wanted to. Um, but guys like that are going to have an opportunity to make extra money when they're making the major league minimum.
I think that's great. So there's a, it's another win for the players. The other thing that they're going to do is the Red Sox aren't going to be able to do what they did to a bunch of guys last year, which is constantly shuffle guys up and down from the minors to the majors. That's going to be a beautiful thing. Now you can do it a maximum of five times a year. You know, the Red Sox did that last year with one of the members of their rotation where he was essentially pitching on his regular turn, but the Red Sox, for paperwork uh, purposes, were able to put him back down to the minors so they could call up another reliever in the meantime until this guy's turn came up again, which is just ridiculous. So that's a win for the players. The other win is they're going to give service credit for players who finish first or second in rookie of the year voting, even if they don't have a full year of major league service. A guy like Wander Franco from last year, who is in the you know rookie of the year conversation, even though he didn't come up until late in the year, he would have been given a full year of service time based on where he finished in the rookie of the year voting. Again, another win for the players. And it's a win for the younger players. You know, and I liked hearing from the, the uh, executive committee when they were talking about a lot of this stuff. It was, it was like, look, we're here to do this for the younger guys. We, we, you know, most of the guys on that, uh, uh, the executive committee were guys making an average of, you know, three and a half, four, five million dollars a year. Some of them are making significantly more than that. But they recognized what they were there for. They recognized they had to take care of the young guys. Mike Trout recognizes that they got to take care of the guys that aren't making his money. He gets it. And so a lot of the battle here was to take care of these younger players. So, you know, I, I, I'm thrilled about that. You know, and, you know, there are some other things that came out in this deal. You know, they raised the, the luxury tax threshold by a significant amount, which I think is great. Um, because, look, I don't... You know, the, the owners and the commissioners spent a lot of time trying to tell us about how much money the owners don't make. And, and in most cases, they can get away with that because they don't have to open their books. With the exception of a couple of teams, the Atlanta Braves being one of them, uh, they're not public you know, uh, operations, so you don't have access to their books. But when you look at, like, for the Atlanta Braves, who, who did have to open their books, you find out that they made a ton of money. And we know that Major League Baseball last year probably made a couple of billion dollars. You know, don't tell me that these guys are losing money because they're not. You know, it's like anybody. Look, we can all file our taxes and figure out a way to take deductions and make it look like on paper that we lost money, but then you look at our bank account and realize we haven't lost any money. You know, it's it's how it's how rich people, you know, get by all the time without having to pay taxes. It's a, it's a similar thing. These guys can say, "Well, you know, uh, okay, well, the profit's here, but we lose money here. We Baloney. Baloney. The one thing I did love seeing is that the owners kind of uh, started eating their own a little bit when a fourth level of salary tax was added. And they're calling it the Cohen tax. 
for the owner of the New York Mets, who is a billionaire and who has made it no secret of the fact that he plans to spend money, that this is a guy that's got the money, he is a longtime baseball fan, and this is his toy. And he is going to have some fun, and he's going to spend money, and they're going to try to win. And the owners are scared to death of a guy like Steve Cohen because they know he's going to he, – he has the potential to blow up salaries. And that scares the crap out of the owners. So what did they do? They added a fourth luxury tax threshold where the, uh, the, the tax is like 95% or something. You know, and that's that's just a that's a matter of the union going after one of the, or I mean of the uh, the owners going after one of their own, <laughs> which I love it. I love it. So anyway, you know, look, at the end of the day. The players won here. Now, the, you know, the owners will uh, will try to spin it that they got what they wanted or some of what they wanted. And they did, you know, and, and you know, they got expanded playoffs. They didn't get them expanded as far as they wanted. They wanted 14 teams. And uh, they compromised at 12. It was 10 last year. I hate the expanded playoffs. I don't like it. It makes it uh, closer to what a lot of the other leagues do where everybody seems to make the playoffs. But, you know, be that as it may, you know, there's it's it's a fight that you're not going to win. I hope they never go to 14. But, if you know, and if it stays at 12, I'll learn to live with it. Um, so the owners got that. They wanted that. There's additional television revenue there. Um they got the ability to make changes on the field basically with 45 days notice you know and there's a a committee that gets together to make that but the the majority of the people on the committee are MLB people there's an umpire there's a player rep but but it's heavily weighted in favor of MLB so they're going to get what they want which means we're going to have a pitch clock which is great they're going to ban shifts which you know i think is great uh, a lot of people are against it and maybe I will change my mind if they ban shifts and th- nothing really changes and we still have as many strikeouts and, and uh, you know, and we don't have more balls put in play. Um, if it doesn't change that, then, okay, I may change my tune on it. But for right now, I believe that it is the right move, and I'm happy about that. Um, so... You know, it, it's it's uh, there's no question that the owners got some of what they wanted. They wanted to be able to put uh, advertising on helmets and jerseys. Now, it's not going to be as bad as you see in some sports. It looks like it's just going to be, you know, maybe a patch on the uniform and uh, and a decal perhaps on the helmet, and it's going to be up to the individual teams. They can strike their own deals. Look, as long as they don't come up with things where we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, the players' uniforms aren't going to look like NASCAR, you know, it's not going to look like uh, the wraps they have on NASCAR cars where you've got 87 advertisements, you know, uh, on the uniform. I can live with that. I'm okay with that. Um, so we'll see, you know, how it works out. But the owners did get some of what they wanted. Uh, one of the other things that they're going to do, and it's not going to happen until 2023, but I'm kind of fascinated by this. As a purist, it bothers me a little bit. But they are going to change the schedule starting in 2023 so that every team will play at least one series against everybody in both the American and National Leagues. Um, So you will still have more games within your division, which is good. 
but now you maybe won't play as many teams. Maybe you won't have two series against everybody in the American League if you're the Red Sox because you're now going to play everybody in the National League at least once. Again, as a purist, I'm not thrilled about that, but interleague play is here to stay. It's not going to change. So uh, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. Um, I, 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 I don't know whether it will last forever. Uh, and, and I also don't know financially what that's going to do. I, I understand what they're going to do, but you're also going to add a lot more travel in now because now if you don't have to play West Coast teams, now you're going to be going out there and you probably, you know, it may increase costs. That's something that, you know, it may be one of those unintended consequences uh, with something like that. They say, well, we're going to do this. And then the owners are going to say, oh, wait a minute. We just spent about $3 billion or $3 million more on travel than we did with the old schedule. So let's go back to the old way. But we'll see. Um, and the other thing that they're going to change is they're going to change the draft. They're going to have a draft lottery. Uh, and the idea behind this is, to, they say, to prevent tanking, you know, teams tanking so that they can get the number one draft pick. Now, let me say this. I'm not sure whether it's going to change tanking or not, because let's face it. And maybe this will change with the service time and the fact that, you know, they're going to incentivize teams to no longer uh, keep players down in the minor leagues longer than they need to. But in Major League Baseball, the draft isn't that big a deal, in my opinion. Now, don't, you know, look, I, there's a lot of talented kids out there, but the percentage of kids that actually make the major leagues that are first-round draft picks is not that high. And the number of draft picks that are, in, you know, let's say drafted in the first round or drafted in the top 10 or 12 that actually become superstars in Major League Baseball is very small. In my mind, and maybe, again, I could be completely wrong here. I haven't done the research. This is just... I test for me or thinking off the top of my head. To me, the guys that are the top picks in the NFL or the NBA and even the NHL seem to make more impact. And maybe it's just they make more impact quicker than they do in Major League Baseball. Maybe if I look at it and you look at it over a course of five years, and this is, I'm sure somebody's going to do this, or I'm sure somebody has. I just haven't, I haven't seen it. But it seems to me that the Major League Baseball draft isn't a sure thing, and it's not guaranteed it's going to make any difference. And I, and I think most baseball players, or most baseball owners feel the same way, by the way. You know, every now and then there's a special talent, you know, is going to be a superstar. You know, I mean, people knew Mike Trout was going to be Mike Trout right away. I mean, there's just certain guys that, you know, are going to be who they who they become. But by and large that you don't know that. And there are a lot of first round draft picks, guys that have been taken in the first 10, 12 rounds that turned out to be complete busts. Now, it happens in every sport. I get it. But it just seems to me that baseball, the baseball draft is a lot less impactful that way. So I'm not sure it's going to stop the Pittsburgh Pirates or whoever, you know, from tanking to try to continue to build up their farm system through the draft. But we'll see. We'll see. Now, the other part of this, this CBA, 
Not everything was decided, and, and the biggest thing that was left out there was the idea of an international draft. The owners want it. The players don't. I don't understand why there isn't an international draft, why all international players are not included in the draft. The, look, the NBA and the NHL include foreign players in their draft. Now, it's different if a guy's coming from Japan or is playing professionally in another league where they've got to get a release from their team or they get posted by their team a lot like you see uh, in, in soccer. Um, but I don't understand why baseball is different when it comes to that. Because, listen, and, and you know, David Ortiz came out with, the, you know, a thing this weekend about how he's against the international draft. Well, of course he is. He's from the Dominican Republic, and these guys come out of the Dominican Republic, and they can sign, you know, they can sign a 16-year-old kid out of the Dominican Republic and give him millions of their international bonus money or slot money and then just keep him in their, uh, in their system for a few years until he's ready. But that's an advantage. He all of a sudden is getting an advantage that an American player is not getting. To me, you're almost you're almost discriminating against U.S. born players by allowing this this international signing system that they have now. That these kids out of the out of the Dominican Republic or out of Puerto Rico or any of the Latin American countries, uh, they get an advantage. Just my opinion, and maybe I'm completely wrong here, but it it has always been strange to me. It's always, it seems strange to me that, that, that uh, they don't include those guys in the draft. I think they absolutely should. Now, having said that, then American players are going to say, yeah, but if you include the guys from Latin American countries, the number of American players that get drafted may go down because teams are then going to draft the Latino players. I, I, you know, I don't know. But it just seems strange to me. I, oh, I, I'm all for an international draft. And maybe if they go back to, and if they do have an international draft, they're going to have to expand the draft back to 40 rounds, the way it used to be. Actually, I think it used to be, didn't it used to be like 60 rounds or 56 rounds or some huge number? And they've cut it down to 40, and now they've cut it down to 20. You know, they may have to increase the number. If they're going to have an international draft, it can't just be 20 rounds. You know, unless they have a separate draft where it's only an international draft and then a separate draft for only U.S. players. But if they're going to combine them, they're going to have to increase the draft pool. But I, I, you know, and that was a big sticking point in this. And so they have until the 25th of July to agree on that. And if they agree, then what happens is, is if the players will go for it, there will no longer be... Uh, draft pick compensation for signing free agents that will go away, which will help uh, players when they're going into free agency because more teams will bid on them because they don't have to give up a draft pick if they sign uh, one of the top free agents. So there isn't there is incentive for the players uh, on that side if they go along with the international draft. Now if they don't then the draft pick compensation stays just the way it is and, and we basically stay status quo. But I, I, I see no trouble uh, with the international draft. I think it's a great idea. So that's where we're at. That's the basics. Now what happens? Well, 
starting today, and I guarantee you we will see stuff today, there is going to be a free agent orgy. We are going to see uh, uh, signings within the next week. We are going to see guys just falling off the board like crazy because camps open in two more days. Games start in six more days. The first spring training games are going to be on the 17th. So uh, we don't have a lot of time. So guys are going to want to be able to get into camp as quickly as possible so that they know where they are going to be. And look, there's there's a lot of guys out there. You know, uh, there's a lot of people still looking for jobs. Carlos Correa is still looking for a job. You know, uh, Clayton Kershaw is still out there. Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, Carlos Rodon, Freddie Freeman, uh, Trevor Story, Chris Bryant. I mean, there are Anthony Rizzo doesn't have a team. I mean, so you know, Michael Conforto doesn't have a team. So a lot of this is going to come down in the next couple of days, and it is going to be uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to have MLB Network on constantly. You know, I mean, this is. You know, as as much as I hated the the lockout, as much as it still pisses me off, and as much as I am uh, so angry at the owners, it's not even funny. We get the reward now of just a baseball circus for the next couple of weeks, as uh, as teams start to figure out what their rosters are going to look like this year. And you know, last night on Twitter, right after the thing. Uh, came down that the uh, the agreement had been made. All these Red Sox fans are like, okay, let's sign Carlos Correa now. You know, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, you know. And look, the Red Sox have money to spend. You know, even with the increase in the minimum salary and the money they're going to have to put aside for that, that bonus pool for the pre-arbitration players, which I think, by the way, is like $1.6 million for each team, something like that, that they have to set aside. But even with all that, you know, the Red Sox – are going to be at about $195 million in salary. Well, with the CBT going up to 230, well, that gives them 35 mil. And if they want to blow that up because they reset last year, they stayed under the, the number last year, so they reset the penalties, they could go past that number if they so choose. You know, now, uh, and look, you know, I don't want Carlos Correa on the Red Sox. The fact that he was from the Houston Astros aside, and the fact that I think he's a jerk aside, you know, some of the comments that he made during the playoffs and stuff, I just, you know, I don't, that's not a guy I want on my team. I don't care how talented he is. I would much rather see the Red Sox spend the money and uh, re-sign Xander Bogarts and lock up Rafi Devers. You know, that's what I want to see him do. And then go out and get some pieces to complement those guys. Uh, and it's not that I'm against signing a shortstop. Um you know, maybe Xander Bogarts would be better as a second baseman. You know, I don't know. You know, and we don't know. You know, the thing is, is Xander's got an opt-out after this season. You know, so the, the question is going to be if the Red Sox are going to make overtures to try to get him to renegotiate his contract and give up that opt-out. And if he doesn't want to do that, then the Red Sox have a decision to make. Then, then I guess it does open up things if you want to try to go out and sign Correa. I hope they don't do that. They could. If they don't think they're going to re-sign Xander Bogarts, then you, you, you sign Trevor Story or you sign, uh, you sign Carlos Correa. You move Bogarts to second base this year because he has no choice. That's if you decide you're not going to keep him. 
and then we see what happens. You know, or, or you know, it, it could be this could end up being a Mookie Betts situation. You know, you could see if the Red Sox, you know, go into the season and they try to reach out to Bogarts and and he has no interest in renegotiating and they don't feel that he's going to stay with the Red Sox, he's going to opt out, then you could see the Red Sox trade him. I hope not. I really want him there. I think he's – I mean, you could criticize his range at shortstop if you want. You can criticize his defense at shortstop if you want. He's not a butcher at shortstop. All right. He's not the worst shortstop in the league by far. Uh, you know, he's not he's not a gold glover. He's not a guy that's going to make you think of, uh, uh, you know, some of the best shortstop. He's not Ozzie Smith or Mark Belanger or any of those old guys that were some remarkable fielders. He's not that. But he is a leader on that team. He is the kind of player you want. He's a great citizen. And uh there's something to be said for that, and I think you lock him up. I think you lock up Rafi Devers. You know, I know they've got some young kids coming, but as we saw last year with, you know, uh, guys like Michael Chavis, you know, they ended up having to ship him out. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck uh, was awful early, played much better late, but you, do we really know what Bobby Dahlbeck is going to be? We know Tristan Cassis is coming, but again, no sure things with any of these guys. So at some point, you got to make a decision, and it, the, the decision the Red Sox are going to have to make is, do we let Bogarts go and bring up the young guys and just at some point, you know, put our eggs in the young guy basket? Or do we keep a guy like Xander Bogarts who could be a great mentor for these younger players and show these guys the way to go about their business? Uh, is that the kind of guy that we want? Um, we'll see. We'll see. But the Red Sox certainly have money to spend. I mean, they spent some money in free agency on some – on pitchers and and look when you think about it they they spent money on pitchers uh before uh, the lockout but they've spent money on guys that none of them are a sure thing James Paxton's coming off of uh you know an injury Rich Hill's 112 years old and look he was effective but he's still really old and Michael Walker hasn't been very good for a while and they're hoping that he's going to be a reclamation project so they signed three guys that have some potential but Jesus you don't know what you're going to get if James Paxton becomes the James Paxton he was two or three years ago hallelujah if Rich Hill pitches this year like he pitched last year you've made some great moves you know if Michael Walker you know can can bounce back at all you know, you've made some some great moves there, but, you know, we don't know. But what we do know, the Red Sox need more depth, and they need better defense. Their defense killed them last year. Killed them. And they need to get, you know, some right-handed pop in that lineup. You know, and I guess there's a chance Kyle Schwarber comes back. I think it less likely. Uh, the, the move for Jackie Bradley Jr. trading Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. is still really strange to me. I know they did it more for the prospects than they did for JBJ, uh, but, you know, they have to decide what they're going to do there. And with JBJ back, does that mean Jaron Duran no longer has a shot to, to win a spot? I mean, there's so many questions for the Red Sox, but what we do know is they have money. And what we do know is now we can actually talk about baseball and things that might actually come down. I am so – I cannot tell you how happy I am. Now, my my joy at, at the lockout being over, of course, was tempered by, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine. It's like – at least now I only have one thing to be pissed off about, you know, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Putin is running – uh, rough shot over there, and everybody's afraid to do anything about it. It's just it's it's irritating. But at least now, 
I've got baseball, so I, I only have to be mad about one thing. It's 37 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little college basketball. There was some great games yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. It's 39 minutes past the hour. By the way, uh, reading a great book. Um, if you love baseball, uh, I highly recommend this book. Uh, Joe Posnanski, uh, The Baseball 100. Uh, fantastic book. It's uh, It really is... Uh, uh, about a hundred different players, and uh, there's a lot of great trivia stuff in there. But it's it's a lot of great baseball history. If you are a baseball fan, you are going to love this book. And by the way, uh, it's not, he's not paying me to to promote this. It's just it's one of those things. It's one of those books I've been meaning to pick up and read, and uh, I just ordered it uh, last week and uh, and started it. It was it's really really good. Uh, not that I have a lot of time to read these days. Uh, by the way. Um, one of the reasons I've been off, uh, of course, as you know, we moved down here to North Carolina. We're redoing the studio and uh, new house, new everything. I've been Mr. Uh, Mr. Gardner lately. I just uh, finished uh, putting together nine beds of uh, raised garden, getting ready to uh, put, put a fence up because i got to keep the deer out. Um, and uh, I shoveled 21 yards of uh, topsoil and compost into my raised beds by myself. I made them really tall. They're, they're four feet by eight feet, and they're... Uh, uh, 24 inches deep because I'm getting old. I don't want to bend over as far. But it also meant that I, I needed to put a lot of dirt in there. And uh, if you don't know how much 21 yards of dirt, um, it's uh, four truckloads full, four dump truck fulls. I mean, I had four huge piles of dirt here that I had to shovel by myself. I could have rented a machine to do it, but I just said, ah, you know what? I need the exercise. So I did that. Uh, then yesterday I planted, uh, I finally got my, I started a little mini orchard, a few apple trees, a couple of peach trees. We're going to put a cherry tree in. Uh, so I've been busy and I've been pissed off. I said, to, I said to Barb, I said, you know, it doesn't, uh, I don't want to go on and do my show and just yell. Because it was just, you know, and, and, you know, frankly, I don't want to talk about the NBA or the NHL all day. I, you know, I'm, I'm a baseball guy, and the, the core of my show has been baseball. You know, uh, even in the offseason, we're talking baseball. And so uh, I just I just said, you know, I got a lot to do here, and, and so I took some time off. But with baseball back, I had to come back today. I was planning on getting back on Monday, but when they did the deal yesterday, I said, I got to get on the air. I got to do this. And so we're back. And uh, we'll be here. We've got baseball to talk about. I can't wait to start being able to talk about games and trades and free agent signings. Oh, my God. It's like it's heaven. It just doesn't get any better than that. Uh, but speaking of basketball, I said I don't want to talk about basketball a lot. But uh, uh, what great games yesterday uh, in college basketball. Look, the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, and I love – look, I love college basketball. I was a high school and college basketball coach. Uh, I can watch any college game. I can't watch the NBA by and large because it's just brutal. But I love college basketball. So this is the time of year. It's the best, you know, right? You have all the conference tournaments, then the NCAA, rolling into the NCAA tournament, and we just, oh, my God, yesterday was so much fun uh, watching the Big East tournament, the ACC. There were some upsets. There were some near upsets. You know, the top seed in the Big East almost went down. Providence uh, escaped beating Butler. Uh, 65-61. Butler had a lead for a good portion of that game. Uh, Duke almost got knocked off by Syracuse. Now, uh, Syracuse just ran out of gas at the end. Uh, they end up losing 88-79, to but, man, what a great game that was uh, to watch the uh, Duke fans just having cows. Uh, and, and, and I'm no Syracuse fan necessarily, and uh, but uh, it was fun to watch them do that, and that 
I'll tell you what, that 2-3 zone, and Jim Beheim has, has, has played that for years, and, man, his team's played to death, and teams still struggle a lot against that 2-3 zone, and Duke struggled from the outside yesterday, so they almost pulled that off. That was fun. Boston College almost pulls off the upset. They end up losing an overtime to Miami. Um, I even stayed up to watch part of a late game last night, USC, uh, escapes with a win over Washington. I only managed to watch the first half, but USC was losing at halftime. They come back to win that 65-61. Michigan lost. Didn't re- That's not really a surprise. They were a bubble team anyway. Uh, Villanova almost lost yesterday. Uh, they beat St. John's by a point. Uh, so just, uh, you know, some great fun. Notre Dame loses in the ACC. They were probably a bubble team. You know, I don't know. They've got 20 wins. They could still get in, but, boy, losing that early in the conference tournament is really going to hurt them. Don't know whether they're going to make it or not. I mean, this is it's just uh, so much fun to watch. So many great games yesterday. Um, and then I got to watch UConn last night. Uh, UConn handled Seton Hall. It wasn't – it was kind of an ugly game. UConn, of course, ranked 20th in the country. They're the number three seed in the tournament. And uh, – Neither team shot very well, but the UConn defense held Seton Hall to just 35% uh, shooting. They held them to just 20 points in the first half. That was really the difference was the UConn defense because their offense wasn't great. Adamas Sanogo, who has been such a workhorse in the middle, uh, only had six points last night, was 2 of 11 from the field. He did have 11 rebounds, uh, but, uh, you know, wasn't the guy that you really expect. But Isaiah Whaley had a huge game for them, had 11 points. It was great. Uh, on defense, uh, so UConn escapes, and now they get to play Villanova. Um, UConn right now probably projects to be a five or six seed in the tournament, but I'll tell you what, if they knock off Villanova and uh, you know can make some noise in this tournament and maybe reach the conference championship, or and, and if they win the conference title, uh, you know maybe they get themselves up to a three or four seed. Maybe well, three's probably a, a little high, but maybe they could get up to a four seed. Uh, if they lose, they might be a six to Villanova. If they if they beat Villanova, I think they probably lock up a five seed. But uh, a good win for UConn. It was again wasn't pretty, um, uh, but they uh, they get past past Seton Hall uh, in that one. Um, so. The other game that was uh, kind of fun uh, to watch yesterday uh, was uh, was that Miami game. You know, Boston College gave it all they could. It, it hasn't been a great year for Boston College, um, but uh, Miami's been had a great season. They are uh, twenty three and nine now, and uh, uh, you know we'll have to see what happens in the ACC. They think they're going to get six teams, it's, and I'm sure that Wake Forest will get a bid. They're twenty three and nine as well. But losing to Boston College on Wednesday certainly did not help them. There's some big games coming up today. Uh, Rutgers has a big game coming up. Steve Peichel, my buddy, uh, I worked with Steve at Central Connecticut State when he was an assistant coach there. He's a great coach. He's done a great job over at Rutgers. Uh, They play against Iowa tonight. Uh, Rutgers is the four seed. Um, their their four seed in the Big Ten tournament, by the way, it's the uh, their best seed in many many years. Uh, so if they can knock off Iowa tonight, they're going to give themselves a chance to get in. They're eighteen and twelve right now. If they can get the win over Iowa, uh, you know, and get to the final four of the tournament, you know, maybe they can get themselves a chance to get into the NCAA tournament. They might be a bubble team, but the Big Ten's been pretty good. 
I think the loss by Michigan yesterday, Juwan Howard was back on the bench after, you know, that that debacle uh, in the handshake line. He is uh, back, uh, but it didn't help him, and so uh, Michigan will have no chance of making the tournament now. They'll be an NIT team. A lot of people are making uh, uh, noise about the fact that uh, Bellarmine uh, won their conference tournament, but they can't go because they just went Division One a couple of years ago, and the NCAA has a rule where – uh, I think it's five years before you can actually qualify for the NCAA tournament. And because they can't qualify for the NCAA tournament, they can't get in the NITs. People are whining about Look, the rules are the rules. I was in the Northeast Conference tournament uh, or Northeast Conference for years, and I remember when Bryant College uh, came into the Northeast Conference. Bryant is uh, out of uh, uh, North Smithfield, Rhode Island. Matter of fact, uh, Bryant just won the Northeast Conference tournament uh, this weekend, and by the way, what a mess that was. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Dave Massey checking in from Rhode Island. He, he lives not too far from uh, Bryant College, or actually it's Bryant University now. And uh, th- Thanks, Dave. It's nice to be back. Um, uh, but Bryant was in a situation when they got in the Northeast Conference that uh, they went to the conference tournament, and if they had won, they wouldn't have been able to go either. It's just it, the rules are what the rules are. You know, I mean, you know, g- get over it. Uh, you know, I, but you know, with social media, everybody's got an opinion. So, but, uh, Bryant won the tournament this past weekend. They beat Wagner in the conference championship and, uh, what a mess. Uh, the Wagner players actually kind of, uh, started a brawl with, uh, with the fans and, uh, the game got interrupted for a while. It was just a, not a good look, not a good look at all. And for the Northeast conference, by the way, which is a small conference, you know, the schools in there aren't going anywhere. They're going to be, you know, Bryant. Bryant won it, which congratulations to them, but uh, they're going to be one of those first four games, right? They're they're going to be one of the games that uh, they're going to – it's like a play-in game, and then they're going to have to play one of the number one seeds and get the crap beat out of them, you know, because, uh, you know, the Northeast Conference just isn't very good when you compare it to uh, the big power conferences. They're one of those conferences that's never going to get more than one team in the NCAA tournament, ever. Um. So they're going to get the crap beat out, but not a good look. But anyway, you know, the rules are so just, you know, people whining about that stuff just kind of drives me uh, nuts. Uh, oh, the other big uh, game this weekend, by the way, uh, Oklahoma. It'll be interesting to see what happens. They pulled off a big upset. They beat number three Baylor to uh, to get to the Big 12 semifinals tonight. And, uh, you know, look, I'll tell you what, Oklahoma wins that and they get to the conference championship game. You never know. You never know. That was a huge win uh, for them. So uh, we shall see how it goes. But, man, I'll tell you what, this is such a fun time of year uh, to watch college basketball. And I can't wait for the NCAA tournament. I'll fill out a bracket like everybody else does. And, you know, people say, well, geez, you worked in college athletics for 25 years. You were a college coach. You must you must be really great at these. No, I stink at those brackets. You know, you can, I don't care. You know, look, at the end of the day, I don't care whether I coached or whether I didn't coach. At the end of the year, nobody would have thought that Oklahoma was going to be Baylor, you know, in the conference tournament. There's, just, there's things that are going to happen that you just do not expect. It, I don't have any, any extra knowledge than anybody else does. Matter of fact, I may be worse. I may, over, I may overanalyze stuff. You know, that's what, what's so funny. You see these, these brackets everybody fills out, and, and it's inevitable. So they'll fill out these ones in, you know, in, in, in these office pools, and some woman who doesn't watch college basketball at all will just fill one out, and they'll say, ah, "I like this name, and I like this name," and and they'll win. That's you know, so yeah, it doesn't matter how how much college basketball you play; it doesn't make you any better uh, at picking this stuff than uh, than anybody else at the end of the day. 
We're going to take one more break. 50 minutes past the hour. We're going to be back to wrap things up in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 52 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call on a Friday morning. And uh, it feels good to be back. Uh, it, uh, I, I have missed it, you know. But like I said, just uh, too, too much anger. <laughs> too, way too much anger. And uh, way too much to do around here, but I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm so excited to be back. Oh, by the way, uh, we're gonna get snow here today. I'm really loving this. We it was 80 degrees here for like two straight days a week ago, uh, and it's been in the upper 60s damn near every day. I've been outside. Like I said, I got the garden ready. I got the fruit trees in. I'm ready. I got my brand new lawn tractor. I can't wait. And we're gonna get uh, a few inches of snow uh, tomorrow, tonight, and tomorrow. I can hardly wait. It's unbelievable. But then we're going to go back into the 60s uh, next week. It'll be like it never happened. But, Jesus, I just I can't take it. Uh, I did watch some hockey last night. The Boston Bruins with a nice win. David Pasternak with a goal with 17 seconds left in the game. They beat the Chicago Blackhawks 4-3. to uh, The Bruins have been blowing games lately. Uh, you know, they, they lost a game to the Anaheim Ducks like in the last few seconds. And it seems like, uh, it seems like damn near every game they find a way to lose one in the last minute. So it was nice to see them uh, come back and uh, win one yesterday. Look, the Bruins have themselves in pretty good shape right now. Uh, they are still three points ahead of the Washington Caps. They've got the number one wild card position. They're only four points behind Toronto for third place in the Atlantic Division. Um, and, and the way they're playing li- right now, uh, look, they're 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 games. They are uh, outside of maybe the Carolina Hurricanes, the hottest team uh, in the NHL right now. So uh, uh, they will play again. They have the... Uh, the lackluster Arizona Coyotes coming up uh, on Saturday. Arizona with just 18 wins on the season. Uh, they are just 40 points this year for the Coyotes. So should be a win for the Bruins, and it'll be nice. Uh, uh, you know, look, maybe they've, they've, they give themselves a chance, but it was nice to see them not blow one last night. Uh, and a big trade in the NFL. Of course, we've seen, uh, well, we we missed the trades with Russell Wilson going to the uh, Washington Commanders and Carson Wentz. I mean, going to Denver Broncos and Carson Wentz going from Indianapolis to the Washington Commanders. Uh, there's some talk about some other quarterback shuffles getting ready to happen. Uh, but the uh, the Chargers made a big move yesterday. They acquired Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears for a couple of draft picks, a second rounder and a sixth rounder, I believe. They now have Khalil Mack. Now, he missed part of the year with uh, he had surgery, so he only played, I think, seven or eight games. But they add Khalil Mack to that pass rush with Joey Bosa, that Charger defense just suddenly got a lot scarier. you know. And now you've added Russell Wilson to quarterback to that Denver Bronco team. Uh, man, that division is going to be loaded next year. But a big move by the Chargers to get Khalil Mack uh, from the Chicago Bears. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I'm sure we will have lots of baseball, free agent signings, and trades to talk about. I can't wait. I hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, We leave you this morning with a little music from the Zach Brown Band. It's called I Play the Road. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.